Hello, how's it? It's Big Daddy Liberty here, and you're listening to Liberty and Friends. That's right, Liberty and Friends is your weekly podcast by The Big Liberty Show that comes out every Thursday at 4. Um, and we chat about this, that, and the third. And today, I have a bit of a special guest. But before I get to my guest, I'm going to have my usually weekly, weekly rant. Um, and what I want to chat about today is just the, the spate of bad news that the South African family is having to deal with. It is becoming incredibly, incredibly difficult to be a decision maker within the home, whether it's Ubaba, Umama, or the Ugogo in the home. It's becoming incredibly difficult for you to control what happens in the household. What do you mean, Big Daddy? Well, look at the prices of things that you know are influencing your quality of life. You know the the bad policy decisions that I often rail against that come from our leftist cabal of politicians are beginning to be paid paid for by you. Remember, the bad policy decisions are not paid by the politicians and their bureaucrats and their cronies. No, of course not. They're paid for by people like you and me, who the honest, God-fearing, law-abiding, family-orientated individuals in this country, because we can't afford to send our kids to fancy universities across the world. Um, we can't afford to insulate ourselves, um, you know, by buying, or excuse me, by determining our own salary increases as politicians do in this country, and you know, high salaries at that. And by the way, that's all politicians. I don't care if you have your favorite politicians; all of them are really well, highly paid people, and ever increasingly, it makes them very aloof to the daily realities that are lived by you and me. Now, the problem also becomes is that there is a big schism between who maybe you are as a upper working class, middle class individual, if that's where you are, with that individual in this country who is a silent majority, you know, the unemployed chap who is largely unemployable, poorly educated, living in absolutely poor means at the moment, um, who has very little hope of seeing or enjoying a, a South Africa that is prosperous, where they can get work, they can get an income from that income, build savings from those savings by options. That individual lives a life of absolute misery and depression right now. And it is that individual who sometimes, I must say this, that we also, as the middle class, forget about. Um, and I get it, right? I get it. You, you have your daily lived experience, your the things that you care about, that you worry about, and you don't have time to think about other people, right? I, I get it. But if you don't have that time to think about them, how much more are our politicians, the very people we task to worry about everybody, how much more are they, or are, is their negligence of those individuals even more problematic, even more um, abhorrent? And you know, it's, it's something I've been thinking about in the week as I look at all the bad economic data that's been coming through. We, you had a show... If you've been following some of our other shows, of course, remember such as The Daily Friend, which comes out on a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I've been chatting to the chief economist here at the IRR, Ian Crookshanks, and he's made it perfectly clear by showing it in the numbers and the data that South Africa is South Africa's economy is bleeding. And the point is coming where we simply will not have the grace or the space, if we will, to recover. That point is increasingly coming. When, when an economist says to you, you know, since the beginning of the year, we've shared about 80 billion rand um, in our equities market. And just the last week, we lost 15 billion rand in a week. That tells you that, hey, man, things are not on the mend. Things are not on the side of improving, etc., etc. Um, and guess who's on the receiving end of that? 
you. And that's the point I'm making in this rant, is that ever increasingly you need to be at the forefront of getting into the battle of ideas, of pushing back against the bad ideas from you know, the crooked coalition of lefties and politicians and their ac- friends in academia and, and activism who are selling you these bad policy proposals that actually don't improve your, your quality of life. In fact, they, 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 <laughs> they almost stand at the very opposite of improving them. What they want to do is control you and your quality of life. That's what they're looking for. Not improve it, control you. And you allow it by not having, um, excuse me, let me take a step back. You allow it by not arming yourself with the sort of arguments which allow you to push back against those bad ideas. And that's how we do what we do, not only here at the Big Liberty Show and on Liberty on Friends, but of course also on uh, the Daily Friend, which is our partnership with the IRR. And I encourage you to listen into that show because we are arming you with the arguments. You need to be able to fight back, convince fellow South Africans that um, the fight back, if you will, can, can only happen if we as South Africans actually band together with a solid set of ideas to march through all the institutions of the state, society, and, and you know wherever else we, we find ourselves in order to change them. And if we don't do that, then the slide continues. The grinning politician who lies to your face becomes more emboldened. The toxic body of bad leftist policy, which basically is designed to snatch more of your income, more of your savings, become worse. And your property rights, all of those things become worse. And all I'm saying is we can fix that. Um, And yeah, it's just been something that's been on my mind. and with that rant being, being had, um, <laughs> um, as I said, yeah, I've got a special guest in studio who has a very um, surprised look in his face. I don't think he thought I would say some of those things, um, which is ironic because they say some of the craziest things. Roman Kabanek, one half of the duo at the Renegade Report. The Renegade Report, of course, is South Africa's largest podcast, and it comes out every Tuesday at um, so you make sure you catch that on either the Iono platform or any of the other podcasting platforms such as um, iTunes and the like. But hey, let me have the man say hi himself. Uh, Ramon, how are you doing, brother man? Big Daddy, always well. It's almost Women's Day and the government wants to expropriate my property, <laughs> pensions and medical aid. So... Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit bleak. Hey, man, I'm surprised they haven't started saying things like they'll be expropriating our wives and girlfriends, man. Women's Day indeed. Um, Roman, welcome to Liberty and Friends. Um, Roman, by the way, was just in the, he happened to be in the building. And I said, homie, come on in and let's have a brief conversation. Because the thing that's on my mind and I, the thing I want us to chat about, um, and of course, I'll have your other half of the show, uh, Dr. Witt, uh, Jonathan uh, Witt, come on, because I know he'll probably have much more to say and, you know, Jonathan's been quite vocal on this issue for a while, and that's the national health insurance. You know, I've just done a rant, Roman, where I've pointed out that you know there, there is a growing amount of bad policy in this country, which is predatory in nature. It's designed to fleece the individual, fleece the family of wealth, income, and savings. And in this particular instance, when it comes to the national health insurance, it, it fleeces people of their quality of life, the, the very basic thing of healthcare. Um, what are your thoughts generally on the NHI? And I'll, and I'll unpack this bill as we go along. Well, I mean, the saving grace of South Africa really is the private sector. We've had malevolent governments for what close to a century now, even longer. 
uh, these governments that don't respect individual liberty, they don't expect, uh, respect rights uh, to, to particular governments who are rather deeply racist. Um, and, and what made living under those sort of fiefdoms bearable was the private sector, was the fact that you could live a fairly decent life um, without the assistance of the state or you try to work around the state and the solutions were found in the private sector. And obviously one of those benefits of the of the private sector was healthcare. Healthcare in South Africa is superb. The quality of doctors is very good. Quality of hospitals is very good. And you pay for that um, through medical aids and hospital plans and medical insurance and things like that. And what this bill does essentially is it steals all of that away from you as an individual. It's expropriation without compensation of medical uh, health care. And that's essentially what it is. If you read, just sorry, yeah, I, know, go ahead. I know you want to interrupt. Yep. If you read about what it does and the questions people ask, will you be allowed to do this? Will you be allowed to do that? Will you be allowed to have a medical aid? Will you be allowed to visit a specialist? Will you be allowed to do this? The answer to all the questions are no. So it reduces freedom. It doesn't, it doesn't make it better. It reduces the choices people make every day. Absolutely. And, and, and that, you, you, know, you, you are 90% correct on that one. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a significant damn 90. And let me, let, me, let me show how. So if you read the bill, and I won't go through it in, in, in sort of point by point detail. We'll just sort of extract the really dangerous bits. And here's the bit that, <clears throat> excuse me, here's the bit that I really want people to pay attention to because um, when I say to you that this bill is effectively, and Ramon just said it now, um, the nationalization of healthcare in this country, and really, if you look at the NHI itself, the National Health Insurance Fund, it will be the creation of an, an ESCOM of healthcare. If there's, there's a section essentially um, under Chapter 1 of the bill, which pretty much says this act applies to all health establishments. That includes your private guys, the, the small doctor in your, your local township who's, you know, uh, uh, who's been charging you cheaper rates because you know, he, he, he's leveraging on the markets. This act applies to all health insurance, but listen to the exclusions, um, military health services and their establishments. Um, so you now have a situation where one piece of legislation will make decisions, far-reaching decisions, on not only the quality of healthcare, how much you pay, um, who decides what treatment you receive and who you don't. All those decisions are now being taken outside of the influence of the individual and families, and they're being placed into a growing army of essentially bureaucrats, man, from all sorts of, um, you know, and <clears throat> I want to paint this picture here because, you know, it's not just a few individuals, right? It's not just, you know, a minister and maybe a few head honchos, guys who know what they're doing. No. The bill goes into meticulous detail about the establishment of a board that runs the fund. From the board, a CEO, and you can imagine that'll have a DG and um, all sorts of officials under that, a staff complement, um, to various committees, um, the, the committees of boards, which it sort of describes. Um, and under that, technical, further technical committees, and then chapter seven, advisory committees. And I could go down the line of the establishment of really a massive bureaucracy. So Ramon, I'll put it to you because the only thing this bill really does is add onto the existing problems. It doesn't really address them, right? It doesn't address the quality of your public health sector, you know, the shortages of staff, you know, because people are leaving, they're immigrating, especially these skilled person. All it does is it slaps a massive bureaucracy on top of that and then takes money from private individuals who, 
you know, the money you've been contributing to your medical aid in order to fund that. How will this fix the situation? Well, it won't. But I think let's, let's just go back to a principle quickly. Yeah. Uh, Frederick Hayek wrote uh, a phenomenal article <laughs> called The Use of Knowledge in Society. And the main argument is that information is decentralized. Knowledge is unevenly dispersed amongst different members of society. And that as a result, decisions are best made by those with <coughs> local knowledge rather than a central authority. I'm a parent. I know if my daughter is ill. I know that I will have to go to the doctor because she's ill. And I know that I believe it's flu so I can guide the doctor into the symptoms and he can make a determination. This bill takes that away from people. Someone else is going to determine what the illness is and someone else is going to determine what the treatment is. Absolutely. And someone else is going to determine where you can go to get the treatments. In fact, the bill openly says that, you know, someone like you now as a parent must register your, yourself and your family um, with someone who's essentially in your area. So maybe you've been going to Dr. Berkowitz, who's across town because you trust him, you know him, he, he's your homie. Now you essentially won't have that option. You must register with the guy, the local clinic in your area, whatever the case may be. Now, let me, let me phrase it to you this way, dear listener. <clears throat> let's say for a moment you live in somewhere like where, where I'm from, uh, let's say in Mapumulo, which is a rural KZN. I can tell you now that the local clinic there is not the best option and that the vast majority of people looking for healthcare will travel the, the, the distance to go to Stanger, our nearest town, um, which isn't also the, the best necessarily, but it's much better than what's in your area. This bill, the National Health Insurance Bill, would essentially relegate you now to having to go to that local clinic just to then eventually get a referral, likely, depending on how ill you are, um, to a better facility. And there's something deeply problematic in that. And this is the conceptual part that we often talk about as you know those of us who lean on the side of liberty, wherever we are on that spectrum. And speaking about leaning on the side of liberty, let me just quickly shout out the Frederick Nauman Foundation, who are my friends on uh, sponsoring this episode. But those of us who lead on the side of liberty and want to see individuals and families have free choice and the, 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 the benefit of choice, suddenly we'll have that stripped away them, from them and decisions are made now by bureaucrats and politicians. Absolutely. Once again, it's once again, a if you look at the ANC as some, a colleague of yours told me this earlier, if you just look at ANC policy as just being just punitive, just because of who you are, because you're wealthy or because you have X, Y, and Z, you have assets, and because we just don't like you. So what are we going to do? We're going to strip away choice from you. If we could, we would drive you into the sea, but we can't do that because it's illegal. So what we'll do, we'll put you in a pot and raise the temperature of the water over and over and over again. And that's what they've been doing for 25 years. And I think this time, if the NHI actually does work, works in quotes, mm. if it's implemented, that's a better word, mm. I think it's going to be a mass exodus of people because you're stripping away people's choices. And if people don't have a choice, they make the choice to go somewhere else. And the, that choice will become ever increasingly real because the other thing this bill does, if you read um, one of its chapters where there's the establishment of a fund, remember there's two distinct parts to this bill. The one is 
um, you know, the, the designation and the, the creation of this bureaucracy that I spoke of. And of course, um, all government bureaucracies are money-hungry behemoths. Um, so the other part of the bill is uh, the establishment of a national health insurance fund. Now, what this eff- effectively does is it replaces all medical aids in South Africa by creating one large medical aid, which is administered by the states. That should be your first warning bell. Um, and essentially, you're taxed to the hilt in order to fund this um, uh, this fund. So if you're already paying contributions to your medical aid, those will be taken from you in order to fund the, the NHI. Um, if you've been... Uh, there will be a surcharge placed on your your uh, personal income taxes. So, in other words, what you've been paying already, there'll be a little bit of a charge added um, in order to contribute to the the, the NHI. Now. This, of course, is the rationale for creating a single-payer system where you don't pay at the point of of receiving the service. But anybody who's listening to me can already see the problems of this. When you have a small and shrinking tax base because people are emigrating or people are not finding work and you know they're becoming employed, the question invariably must become, where will the money come to fund this additional bureaucracy? Um, and not only that, to keep the existing system to basically keep the incentives of what have been a private sector in this country which have demanded money of you, right, in terms of medical aid, but given you an international um, uh, uh, level or quality healthcare service in, in, in response. Here's my concern, and I'm going to put it to Roman um, and hear what he has to say. You are effectively, as the state, and this is what the politicians are doing, destroying something that works in the hopes that you, you will create purely from a position of ideology, something that you think everybody must, not that it benefits them, but they must be on it. And Ramon, it's, we've been saying this for quite a while on, on The Daily Friend and on my other shows, it's the ideology, isn't it? Or it's the stupid ideology that drives these decisions. You know, an, an ANC which is drunk on the socialist notion of the National Democratic Revolution, which wants or sees everything being seeded under two, excuse me, which sees everything being placed into the purview of the state as opposed to individuals and families. Right. I mean, if you look at the, the state is the, the great equalizer and the great uh, behemoth that, that, you know, pushes forward with progress. Uh, and, but you can't have a, a very strong state and independent people at the same time. You need to choose be between the one or the other. So they always choose the state because they are running it, of course. Um, I do know that a lot of people say, well, you know, the NHS exists and that works well. Yeah, the NHS is a world-class service that no other country wants to emulate. Mm. Weird, isn't it? Mm. Um, And people pay a lot of money for it and it works for basic stuff, but if if you have cancer, you're on a waiting list. In Canada, the same sort of system applies to some degree, but guys, we are dealing with countries that have a tax base of 60-70% of the population paying tax. Here we've got 5% of the population paying income tax and income tax makes up 40% of the budget Mm. of the country and we, the cupboard is bare, we we borrowed to the hilt and we're bailing out SOEs and how the hell are we going to pay for this? Um, So if you're a conspiracy, a conspiracy theorist, you would say, well, they don't actually care about healthcare as such. They actually just want to purge those who can oppose them, i.e. the bourgeoisie, the middle class, the exploiters of workers. And then once they are gone, ANC can run this country for generations to come because people are desperate, poor, and controlled. 
and the thing that concerns me because we we saw this play out or I saw this play out on my Twitter feed, you know, people being very quick to say, oh, but you know, um, even your favorite country, Sikhle of Israel, it has you know a, a an NHS of of sorts or an NHI of sorts, um, uh, which is a system called Kupatol uh, Holim. Um, yeah, I'm right, Kupato Lim, um, which basically creates four medical aids that are run by the state that everybody must pay into. So you can choose which one you want, but essentially there's four. Um, but even the Israelis um, allow for, and very generously, um, a, a private uh, sector, number one, and also private insurance, because Kupato Lim does not pay for everything. State money only goes so far. So they won't pay for very expensive medicines, for example, which you may need. They won't pay for certain elective surgeries. So if you need, for example, a knee replacement or a hip replacement, something which really is outside of the purview of something like Kupato Lim, uh, or even, you know, uh, uh, the NHS in the UK has the same problems. The French system has the same issue. There are some things that it won't necessarily pay for, and they allow for private um, 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 in investment in that. The thing that really stupefies me is that people somehow think with our corrupt state, which has a track record of not being able, especially when it's a, it's a single supplier of something, yep. like ESCOM, for example, that somehow that very same state will miraculously have the power to run this thing called the NHI and you know, doctors will be smiling and riding into wards on the back of you know, unicorns. It'll be fantastic um, if, you have, you know, if you believe the politicians. Somehow that same kleptocratic, corrupt government will suddenly run the system with the sort of efficiency that would make Germans clap. I just don't see how this happens. And let me be precise and specific. If you're handing over vast swaths of resources, both in terms of uh, existing state funds, which is about $220 billion that we're going to spend on health this year, it's about 14% of our GDP, excuse me, of our... Um, uh, uh, I can't think of, of the word I'm looking for, but I'll, I'll correct myself shortly. Um, essentially, what I'm saying is it's a very large spending area. Um, you're now handing that money, in addition to the funds that have been going to the private sector, the private medical insurance companies in this country, and by the way, which is the part no, no, uh, very few people see, there are other pieces of legislation in this country that extract money from people in order to fund some form of medical insurance or some uh, kind of... Um, uh, you know, healthcare system such as the Compensation of Occupational Injuries and Diseases Act, or what's called COIDA. This is the way if you're injured on the workplace, you know, your, your employer has been contributing to that part. Um, so there's a lot of money we're talking about here. There, we, there were talks about in excess of 400 billion rand um, during the press conference yesterday, excuse me, today, today, today. Um, that money is now going to be in the hands of the state. Because when a question was asked of, of the, the lady who, who's the spearhead of the NHI in government, um, you know, people are asking who administers this money. Is it going to be administered by some sort of private sector company that you know, is efficient and can help you with this? She emphatically comes to the mic and says, uh, no, let me just clarify everything. The actual NHA, NHI fund itself will be a publicly administered fund immediately the alarm bell should go off because if you know anything about the state's procurement processes and how corruptible they've been you're not adding a part of about 400 billion rand potentially to the same government that pays in excess of you know 150 rand for a bottle of, of, of water um, or for bottled water when the thing is, is damn well worth 10 rand in a shop. You know, it's a very long-winded way of saying you know it's the, the same government which is corrupt to the core and its procurement systems are absolutely captured by tenderpreneurs. They must be licking their lips right now at the prospect of an NHI. 
Well, perhaps that's the reason why the NHL was even invented in the first place. So, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not about... Guys, I, I think, as he wanted to say, we don't live in a liberal democracy <coughs> with a capable government and independent institutions. We live in a fiefdom. We live in a mafia state. We live under the boot of people who don't care about you at all. The more they can control you, the more power they have. The more they can extract from you, the more money they have. It's, it's a very simple equation. All this stuff and propaganda and nonsense, and I'm being polite, about helping the poor or equalizing the world or making sure everyone gets what they need when they want it and how they want it is Bullshit. It's not applicable in economics. It's not applicable logically. It's not applicable in legislation. It just doesn't work. The laws of economics, you can ignore them as much as you want, but they will always come back to bite you in the ass. And this is exactly what will happen to this bill. This is going to be the ESCOM. There's going to be load shedding of medical care across the country. People have been dying from preventable diseases. They've been dying from sore teeth. And they're going to be dying from colds on mass because why they go to the hospital they keep for 10 hours nothing happens the nurse is not in the doctor doesn't give a shit or the doctor is poorly trained there's not enough beds there's not enough medicine where where do people think things are going to come from and, and and that's the danger in this bill and i really encourage you guys to read it. it's not very long um, you know, it, and th- there are sections of it which you will read yourself and go, "Why is this? Why are we doing this?" You know, when you're creating a system where the, the government becomes the single largest buyer of medicines, medical equipment, um, and essentially it determines also the rates at which doctors will be paid and remunerated, you can just see that invariably all of those things are going to be shortchanged, as we've already seen in other parts of how government procures and does things when it in control. So it's foreseeable that your local doctor, who you maybe are used to going to, and maybe charges you and I'm, I'm throwing out a fictitious number here, but let's say he charges you uh, 450 rand for a consult. Um, if the NHI sets a, 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 a rate of only 300 or 250 rand, um, again, remember they always do it in the name of saying, oh, we're making it cheaper for, for, for people. But if your doctor can't even keep um, you know, run, run a business. If he can't make enough just to meet his his um, his his liabilities, his, his costs, that doctor is not going to hang around. He is going to leave. He's well, going to immigrate. Imagine you're a doctor. You make a hundred thousand rand a month, right? Uh, by charging four hundred fifty rand an hour or per consultation, you have four ten a day. You make that much money, uh, but that money is used to pay the secretary's bill. Exactly. That money is pay is used to pay the supplier's bill. That money is used to pay rent on the premises. That money is used to pay for associations and memberships to various medical associations and things like that. It could be being used to pay back student debt. Mm. It's it's being used to pay for school fees. It's being used to pay for electricity. That money is not just sitting in his bank account every month doing nothing. Going off to Switzerland and like buying your doctor's not so cursed, my guy. Yeah, <laughs> that, really mon- that money is being used in a variety <laughs> of ways. Now the government comes in and says, okay, he only charged three hundred rand, so now he's making sixty or fifty thousand rand a month. Oh, okay, there goes the secretary. She's too expensive because what the prices come down, but the rent doesn't come down. Exactly. Electricity doesn't come down. Wages don't come down. Supplies don't come down. So. How are you? you? You're capping income, but liabilities will keep increasing, mm. and that's called making a loss. And this is an artificial loss. It's an artificial 
supply problem, not a market problem. And as we look to maybe conclude our thoughts on this, you know, when I was watching that press conference where the, the health minister was announcing this, it was very instructive that the first people he called up to uh, come speak on the podium in support of the NHI. He calls them the friends of the NHI. Um, guess who those people were, my dear listener? It was Kosatu, the South African Communist Party, and SANEC. Those are the first few organizations, leftist ideologue organizations, um, who are linked to the ANC, were given the first bite of the cherry of coming to essentially fakely, I may add, um, extol the virtues of the system. And the last speakers were the ones who were actually, if you think about it, will be the ones forced to implement it, which is, you know, the um, a private sector. And they were not happy. Um, and there's a little bit of glimmer of hope in that, I suppose, um, in terms of how... And again, this is where I keep talking about the battle of ideas. If we are seeing at a very early level that the private sector seemingly is unhappy with this, or not that they, or rather, let me take a step back, not that they're overtly unhappy, they're just taking a guarded and a measured response to this. It is your responsibility as the client, as the consumer, as the customer, to get involved in the battle of ideas, to put pressure on those companies for them to develop a backbone and to fight back against these bad policies. It won't happen by just you trusting them to do this. Um, there's one thing you need to understand before I let Ramon in. Big business is very comfortable with bad policies as long as they get their cut somehow. And somehow getting your cut can include being a rent-seeking firm that helps administer this thing, right? So Because you get a cut from that. Um, as long as you, the customer, are not objecting and raising your voice and saying, I will choose with my hard-earned rants not to support your business if you don't say something about this, nothing will change. Absolutely. So, because we are, you know, freedom-loving people, people think that we're sort of corporatists, uh, which we're not. We're free, really market, free market capitalists, which is anti-corporatists. Uh, if you look at the history of corporates in South Africa, it is not a nice history. They supported conscription, they supported BEE, they supported Zuma, they supported some elements of apartheid during the time too. Corporates are the foot soldiers of the National Democratic Revolution. The rules are set by the government, and the corporates jump on board because they get a, a bit of a bit of uh, uh, patronage and protection patronage from from small and corporates um, enforce corporates enforce those laws. If corporates together said BE is bullshit, I'm not implementing it. BE wouldn't exist. It collapse. It'll collapse entirely. But corporates don't do that because they are greedy mofo's who have money overseas somewhere and they don't give a shit and have no skin in the game in this country. They won't lose from the NHI. That's why they support it. And if you are a member of their corporate, if you're a subscriber to their medical aid or anything else, you better put some pressure on them. Because and you can try to change the government. It's not going to happen. If you want to change the way a corporate responds, mm. have a mass boycott or a mass protest against the corporation that supports these ideas. To watch them change their tune very quickly. It happened before with Momentum when they refused to pay out that uh, life policy. Uh, it, it, those sort of things really work with corporates. Forget about the government. The corporates are the ones that are actually going to implement this. So if you have a make or laid with uh, whoever it is and they support the NHI, I would seriously consider having a talk with your broker or the administrators there. Absolutely. And let it be known how upset you are. And guys, 
don't think we're just scaremongering here. Like, you, you just had to have listened to that press conference to realize just how in unison sometimes um, they are in terms of ideology. I mean, the, the, the leader or the head, excuse me, of the Health Professional Councils of South Africa um, openly advocated for plundering people's private money in medical aids right now in order to fund the NHS. So in other words, you, the individual who's, who's been a member of a you know, whatever, discovery or whatever the case may be, and you've been diligently paying your, your uh, premiums for 20 years, in other words, contributing to a pool, a risk pool, um, it, you know, there's real money in it, right? He's basically saying, ah, in order to fund this pie-in-the-sky policy called the NHI, we should take your money and essentially plow it into something we know is going to be inefficient, is not going to fix the problems, is not going to uh, um, actually create universal health care in this country. So it's you're not safe. I don't want you to sort of sit back and go, oh, it's just someone else's money. It's your money that they firmly have in their crosshairs. Right. And it's, I mean, it's very easy to talk about the problems, and but the solutions are easier still. And and the solution is giving more choice to people. Absolutely, <laughs> and we, we we actually discussed this on the Daily Friend, which will be up tomorrow. Um, you know, we at the IRR have a policy document that's been developed by a colleague, a good colleague, Dr. Anthony Je- uh, Jeffrey, who's a expert, uh, leading voice on these sort of issues. And it's actually quite simple. If the state is going to be spending 220 billion rand on healthcare um, next financial year, why don't you take that money, eliminate many of the costs within the state, break that money up into vouchers for poor people, um, and hypothetically you could give as much as about 16,000 rand per person, um, probably more. Again, you know, I won't hash out the final details here, it's just for the sake of this conversation. You could actually allocate real hard cash to poor families. Again, don't worry about the rich folk. Don't worry about the middle class individuals who are already paying for their medical aid. They're fine. What you need to focus on as a government are those individuals who are left out, who are economic outsiders who cannot afford um, quality health care. They're the ones who you can then break your budget up, give them a health voucher, and you tell them, the individual in the family, the decision maker, you decide where you buy your health care. We, the state, have given you the means, so to speak, now we take a step back and just play a regulatory uh, role, but you get to decide where you buy your health insurance. If you want to buy Momentum or Health Discovery, it's up to you. You've got the cash. Yeah. You mean to tell me there wouldn't be a, a surge, a growth of millions of South Africans who would have health insurance and who'd be accessing um, the absolute best in healthcare? Equally, before I let you in, Ramon, you mean to tell me there wouldn't be a, a springing of private sector organizations seeking to meet that demand? And again, it doesn't have to be big companies. It can be just your local doctor in the area suddenly going, oh, um, you know, the, the, the population of Emma Pumulo that I was talking about, all of those people suddenly have medical aid. I have an incentive to set up a very good clinic um, in, this, in this rural area. Come on, man. Good ideas matter. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Jeeva's hospital plan, when I was a, a poor student, I, pay, I had medical insurance at the time. So it, it covers you to a very limited degree for various things. It costs a 700 rand a month. Absolutely. That is 8,400 rand a year. That is half the cost of a medical voucher. And the rest you can do top-ups and whatever else. I, I can't remember, bridging gaps, mm. gap, gap cover gap is cover. what it's called. You can, you, can, you can basically insure yourself against most things with 16,000 rand a month. I mean a year, yeah. rather. Uh, per person in the family. So you mm. have four times 16,000 per family. I mean, you can have a, a medical cover that is enviable Absolutely. around the world. But it's also a difference in ideology mm. because we believe 
that individuals should be free to do what they need to do. Mm. And we believe they know what is best for themselves. It's the knowledge problem once again. Knowledge is localized, so the local person or person or, or society knows what is best for them. Mm. A and C, people are dumb, stupid, kids, pets. We need to look after them. We need to feed them. We need to make sure they... Basically, we are seen like a herd of sheep. Mm. And the ANC is the farmer, and the ANC is going to take care of us. And But, you know, take care of us as long as they can get something off the top. Mm. Uh, that's the difference entirely. We believe in people. They believe in themselves. Give healthcare to your worst enemy. That's the NHI. Absolutely. And just to maybe close this point off, Roman is absolutely right. It's called bounded rationality. The idea that no one person can know everything. Um, and invariably in this case the state cannot know everything and it cannot centrally plan healthcare. Um, rather leave it into the hands of individuals and really we, we talk of individuals a lot as, as classical liberals we're a family society as I said rather leave it into the hands of families for them to have the freedom to choose where they get their healthcare by the state empowering those who don't have the means with healthcare vouchers and those of us who can afford our medical aid Leave them be. Allow people to, to um, shop around. And by the way, you too will become a beneficiary of such a system because if there is a springing up of service providers in order to meet the increased demand, prices go down. That's why, for instance, those things of uh, those consumer goods in society which have not been subject to price controls by the state, generally over time speaking, it's generally speaking over time, have become cheaper. TVs have become cheaper. Um, you know, uh, groceries in some instances. Sneakers. Sneakers have become uh, cheaper. Why? Because there's no central planning, there's no individual determining what prices should be and essentially running prices up because of a shortage of demand of that, also your supply of that um, item. This is basic economics and really um, the, the real takeaway is this, as maybe we do, I'll, I'll give Ramon a chance to do final thoughts. The real takeaway is this. You want a society that is founded on protecting people's life, liberty, and property rights. When you build a society of that, like that, you recognize that it's individuals who are best placed to make decisions about what they need and how they can pursue their own happiness. You get out of the way as a government, you get out of the way as officials, out of the way as politicians, and you let decision makers within the home um, actually chart a course out of what is in their self-interest. And where there is someone who needs assistance, yeah, sure, maybe you can lend a helping hand. But those, the vast majority of individuals who then take up that mantle and start pursuing their own self-interest, give them the freedom and the liberty to do that. If you can build a society like that, a liberal democratic society founded on free markets, um, and the freedom to trade, to make an income, build savings, and from those savings buy options as families, that is my definition of a prosperous society. And that's not what the ANC want, and that's not what the EFF want. And you see it in things like the NHI bill and expropriation of compensation or any of the other predatory policies they're beginning to put into a place. Ramon, final thoughts? Well, final thoughts really is that... Um, in essence, that ideology comes first for these political parties uh, that you mentioned. The ideology is complete control forever in perpetuity. And they can, and if they can control the way you make choices, if they can control what money you make, if they can control where your children go to school, they can control what healthcare you receive, they can control where your pension goes, and they can control how much you can make, they own you. And you will have no choice but to go along with what they say. 
the more choices you have, the less power they have. The less choices you have, the more power they have. This is just the latest power grab that is going to run roughshod over everything you hold dear. Uh, it's going to eliminate choices and it's going to force you to make really, really difficult decisions, whether to go to the doctor or not for a broken leg, those sort of decisions. Or if your child um, is really that sick to go um, find some healthcare somewhere. If you give your enemies absolute power over when you can go to the doctor or how much you need to pay or what medicine you should receive, every single policy that you see, give that policy to your worst enemy and let me know how that works out for you. Hmm? If you agree with it, even if you give it to your enemy, fine, go ahead with it. No no one agrees uh, with most things with most laws and most policies by giving it to their worst enemies. And my friends, your worst enemies are not the person who you know had, you had a road rage incident with. Your worst enemies are the people that you've run into power. And the fact that you don't see that um, is disheartening, but hopefully, you know, people like Sikhle and a few others can sort of open your eyes and say, those ones who are going to save you are the ones that are going to you know, send you into a life of slavery and, and servitude. Um, and it's time to actually be a democratic country and actually tell the government that they serve you and not the other way around. Absolutely. And guys, as I said, get involved in the battle of ideas. Help us stop the MHI. Endorse the IRR solutions to South Africa's healthcare crisis. Now, uh, you can do that by visiting their website, irr.org.za, and you'll see the MHI tab there. Um, you can sign up and let your voice be a part of a growing swell of South Africans who are saying, here and no further. You cannot continue as a government to uh, taking freedoms and services away from us um, and placing them into the hands of you know a, a crooked cabal of politicians. Endorse the IRR's approach to um, universal health care, which is implementing the use of vouchers, allowing low-cost medical insurance schemes, expand the pr- pr- private-public partnerships that allow the privacy to, to play, uh, to provide, excuse me, day hospitals and allow it to train medical professionals, um, ensure merit appointments, get rid of things like BEE and care deployment, and of course, the strict accountability uh, for poor performance. These are the solutions that will help build a healthy and prosperous nation with a health system which is truly universal um, in terms of it providing not only the uh, access but quality um, you can do that by visiting as I said the IRR website it's irr.co.za excuse me irr.org.za um, under campaigns and look for the endorse our healthcare submission um, and you can sign up and become a part of the battle of ideas and of course please support the work that we do I run the show and I'm wholly dependent on your donations that you give every month and I want to thank those South Africans who are giving 90 rand a month towards the work of you know Big Daddy Liberty and what I do here and of course the Institute of Race Relations who are my partners and friends that I partnered up with um, you can become a friend of the IRR that is our crowdfunding campaign by SMSing your name to 32823 uh, terms and conditions to apply no, the SMS will cost you one rand 
or alternatively find us on that uh, website again it's irr.org.za forward slash join and you can sign up a monthly debit order of 90 rand today it is those funds that gets your favorite fat boy big daily liberty into the fight and it's those funds that i'm hoping i can lead the rest of us to be a part of the battle of ideas as we build a liberty loving um and free society that looks after all of its citizens guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of liberty and friends and thank you to roman for joining us you've been listening to your favorite fat boy on the liberty and friends